Welcome to the Snowfibs podcast. I'm Wayne Jansen and your host. Today I'm with Thomas Mayer, a Torres Strait Islander man born on Larrakia country in the Northern Territory and he's a branch secretary of the Maritime Union of Australia and a signatory to the Uluru Statement from the Heart. I also have with me Cathy McGowan, who won the seat of Indi after being endorsed by community group Voices for Indi. She defeated Sophie Mirabella again in 2016 and retired in the 2019 election. In the lead up to this election, she's been travelling the country helping other community groups find their voice. I'll actually start with, with, with Thomas first. So, you know, when I first rang you, Thomas, I remember... I said, how would you feel about doing a doing an interview or a podcast with someone else? And I could feel straight away there was a bit of trepidation and I thought, you probably think I'm setting you up. And I kind of panicked a little bit. And Kathy was the first person that I thought of. And your reaction was, yes, I'd love to do a, a podcast with Kathy. And thinking about it, it it's, it's actually quite a nice little happy sort of panic accident kind of thing because, well, obviously, you know, the voices movement, and Uluru's statement from the heart are completely different, different things for different reasons, and they are um, at their core. They are both stories of community and and community engagement, community empowerment, and I guess political agency as well, in a sense. Um, and like I said, they're obviously very, very different. So, and one thing about the Uluru Statement from the Heart is that to me it's a really extraordinary achievement when you look at, you know, 200 years of, of, of dispossession, exploitation, genocide and, genocide and cultural genocide and all of the damage from colonialisation. Building trust in that environment is a, would have been a really difficult process to, to, to go through. So I'm wondering, can you... Describe the process a little bit for people and how long it went on for the various, you know, the types of groups and people that were in, involved in the process and the sort of the difficulties that you had as well, because it wasn't just that there's so many remote communities. As I'm sure there were a lot of um, things that made it very difficult for the process to work. Yeah, Wayne, the um, the. The process really is, is a lot longer than uh, the, well, the Uluru Statement, the history to the Uluru Statement is a lot, goes back much further than the, uh, you know, the contemporary process that led to the Uluru Statement, really. Um, you know, it's the culmination of many lessons throughout that history of struggle. Uh, what has happened to our previous voices, um, what has happened when we have made uh, other statements and petitions that um, have all called for uh, political representation and how they've been ignored. Uh, and so all of those lessons really, we had, um, and, and, you, and you have to, you can't take it for granted that your own people know this history either. So a really important part of the making of the Uluru Statement was that there was 13 regional dialogues, there was 100 participants at each, they were invited to a formula to ensure a cross-section of, of uh, perspective uh, were represented there. Uh, you know, so not just the uh, those that are normally active, 
um, in in politics and in activism, but um, but also those that are the quieter people in the communities that mm-hmm. um, you know do the do the other type of work, you know, the healing work, um, you know, and, and people that are just surviving. Um, and those people coming together had an intense civics lesson to understand, you know, Australia and the political, uh, you know, how how our constitution works, how our politics you know, in this country works. Um, and also a history of that struggle was presented to them through a film made by Rachel Perkins uh, that went for about 20 minutes. There was discussion about those moments. There was also presentations on uh, in more detail on what had been tried in the past. You know, the expert panels or the joint select committees on constitutional recognition, uh, you know, all of those types of things were thought through. And um, and then each dialogue um, had an accurate record of meeting elected delegates to come together in the heart of the country at Uluru for one final three-day convention. And the the role of those that met at Uluru was not so much to reconsider uh, things, but it was to bring those records of meetings together to synthesise uh, the priorities um, and and bring it together in a final statement, and that's that's really the process that led to the making of the Uluru statement. Kathy, process. I remember once mm. you said to me, "Oh, Wayne, it's about process," and I went away and thought about that, and and I came to the conclusion that what you meant is that process is really important to trust. Can you expand on that a little bit? Mm. I wouldn't just say how much I appreciate that really succinct uh, summary, Thomas. That that was great. So the the activism that that I was involved with in getting people engaged in politics in a in a community, we wanted we wanted the people to understand, in, in understand, but also to use their vote. But we also wanted to change what they were doing, and you can't tell you can tell people to change; it has no impact. If you want people to change, you have to create some not only motivation for change, but some experience that gives them trust. So, in in a similar way to what Thomas has been talking about, creating an experience where people could trust that me as a leader and the Voices for Indi as a group would be would would do would do the honourable thing was really important. So, yeah, it, it's, but it's in any sort of community work, in any sort of relationship work, you've actually got to, it's, it's not only the outcome, it's how you get to the outcome that makes a difference. And my sense is that people need to feel that they belong. Not only they need to have trust, but they need to, if they've got no ownership of the process and belonging, it's really hard. And a bit like what Thomas is talking about, we, it has to have an end. Like it can't just be do something forever. So the election cycle and the politics created a very defining point in time mm-hmm. when the process and the ownership came to a pointy head. We had the vote. People could see how they'd done and then they could get back into their own lives. And I, and, and just in comparison with the process of the Uluru Statement, it was a bit similar. And I have to say that the people who were behind the Uluru Statement process were, were incredibly experienced community workers. 
So they knew what they were doing. They knew how to bring people with them. Um, they'd done it for a long time. And I think for me the, the really interesting parallel is that community workers coming into their own and the political system saying that if we are wanting people to come along with us, we've got to bring that professional expertise into the process. Um, so I think, and, and in Indi, that's what we had. We had a, a whole group of prof professional people who know about community engagement as well as the lawyers and everybody else who came on board. So, uh, look, uh, just quickly, I'll just say, if if either of you feel like you have something to add, don't don't be backwards in coming forwards. Just jump in there. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm very happy for that. Um, so, Thomas, as I was saying a, a bit earlier, I'm a bit disappointed that, that the Uluru Statement of the Heart hasn't been more prominent in the election, especially seeing as the Greens' position is not. I mean, the Greens say they support Uluru Statement from the Heart, but they actually don't because there's a change there. Um, can you talk to 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 that and why it's so important that it remains as it came from Indigenous Australia and isn't changed by, um, you know, political influence or political interests or, or whatever. How important, you know, like the Greens want voice to go last, not first. Yeah, I think what the Greens have uh, done with the Uluru Statement or their policy about the Uluru Statement is uh, quite disrespectful and short-sighted. Um, the, I mean, I explained how uh, the process that led to the making of the Uluru Statement, and and you know, I mean, it's it's it should be noted that that was not an easy process at all. That was a process that. Um, uh, had a lot of debate, you know. It had, you know, within the dialogues and at Uluru, there was a lot of debate and there was a lot of passionate discussion. Um, you know, we're we're human like any other. Uh, you know, we have we're not homogenous yeah. like any other human group, and uh, and most of us, um, you know, really put our heads together and did the hard work of reaching a consensus. And I say most of us because on a second of three days at Uluru. Uh, around 20 of 270 uh, Aboriginal uh, and Torres Strait Islander people walked out uh, straight into a media scrum. Uh, Senator Lydia Thorpe was one of them and, um, and you know, said that they weren't uh, heard in there, they weren't allowed to speak, which was all, you know, it was uh, false. And the evidence was there, you know, the whole thing was recorded. So one day, you know, that's, that's all there to be shown. Um, and so this was hard work, you know. Although those people had a right to walk out and try and leverage their position, that's fine. Um, but consensus is never everything that everybody wants, right? There's there's always a, com a compromise amongst those that are to be united um, to come to a position that we can all uh, be satisfied with. And uh, and so that hard work, you know, the formula behind who participated, the democratic processes at each dialogue to elect delegates to, to go to Uluru, uh, that was the greatest, um, uh, you know, opportunity for First Nations people to have a genuine national consensus on how we wanted to move forward. And, you know, it's a very... Uh, generous yet powerful uh, proposal that we've made, you know, to 
enshrine a voice to Parliament. And so the Greens to have, uh, you know, like this, this, and I would say the same for any political party. For the Greens to have a few, uh, you know, Indigenous members of their mostly non-Indigenous party that ultimately makes a decision about their policy to say, oh, actually, you know, after those 13 three-day dialogues and after the three days at Uluru, and despite all the well-informed and, and, and sort of balanced views, you know, or, or cross-section of views that were represented in the Uluru Statement, um, we're going to rewrite this and say that you got it wrong. You know, mm. extremely disrespectful. Uh, I mean, and and the, the saddest thing about it really is that it's, it's illogical. Um, the Greens are saying, you know, that truth-telling must come first, followed by the establishment of treaties exclusively, you know. So um, this is a, a, a rigid sequence that they initially put out. Um, and then finally, a constitutionally enshrined voice. Uh, it's illogical because, um, firstly, on truth-telling, truth-telling... I mean, there's been plenty of truth-telling over the last, you know, over the decades, um, especially over the last few decades. Um, you have, uh, and just one, you know, so I can keep this short, just one real, uh, you know, uh, ex one, one example is the Royal Commission reports into deaths in custody and to, into stolen generations and into youth in detention. And... They are full of very specific truth-telling. Um, so um, the parliamentarians certainly know the truth. Uh, secondly on that, most Australians know the truth of our history because we can see that in the polling, you know. Um, over 90% of people, according to Reconciliation Australia, want to, you know, um, want the relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous improved. Um, a, uh, um, also, uh, our own polling on uh, if people would vote yes for a constitutionally enshrined voice um, is at almost 60% now that would say they'd vote yes. So people must know the truth is my point here. Um, they must be ready to yeah. do something about it after all this time. And so that doesn't make sense. And then on treaty... Uh, treaty, Indigenous treaty experts say that it'll take decades to reach meaningful treaties. Lydia Thorpe herself, on the record, since being a senator, has said, um, you know, in a Q&A that uh, she thinks it'll take at least two decades to reach a treaty. So what are we going to do in the meantime? It's just yeah. illogical. Mm -hmm. And then and then finally, the final point I'll make is that uh, as a as a union official and a union delegate, you know, being a, a long term member of unions and doing negotiations and collectively, um, I understand that a, a good agreement. So, if you think of a treaty, it's just an agreement, right? It's an agreement between sovereign uh, sovereign peoples. Um, a good agreement never precedes the establishment of a strong representative structure. And we're in a federal system and the representative structure needs to be national for us to be able to reckon with the Commonwealth. Wayne, I've got people ringing me because I, I'm supposed to be jumping in the car, but I'll just, what I'll do is I'll turn off the sound while Cathy's talking. <laughs> oh, look, we're, I'm used to dogs barking and all sorts of things, Thomas. So, Cathy, 
the the Greens' position, right? To me, it looks and sounds like it's their own political interest. You know, the Greens want to have Indigenous membership, and they want to be seen to have Indigenous membership. And it seems to be one of those cases of of um, how do I put this? The same, you know, like political parties acting in their own interest rather than the interest of a constituency. And you must have seen a lot of that while mm. we were in Canberra. So it's really, it's, it's what the thing is fascinating is is getting the process right. So, uh, and getting people to agree on the process. So that was what 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 Thomas explained about how the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people went around their regional delegations. They had a process. They exp- here's what we're going to do, and then they did it. So that's that's all good. Now um, the political system needs to put in place a process <laughs> before we start doing stuff. And I think because if you don't actually have a – and so you've got to actually argue and have agreement on the process before you actually begin the negotiation. Yeah. So what Thomas has just described there is the, the Greens have started negotiating about the detail, but we haven't got Australia to agree on a process. So that's – to me, that's the next really important step is to have Australia, and in this case specifically the Parliament, agree on what the process is. And and whatever the Greens do or the Libs or the Nats or whoever, they can they can start talking all they like. But until we've got actually the framework of how we're going to do the next bit. And so that's where the, the point you made about this has not been a, an election issue, Wayne, because the process that people said what we want to do is have a referendum, that's going to be the process. Before we start talking about how it actually happens, let's have a referendum that it's going to happen. And that's so that and that hasn't been an election issue. Hardly anyone's been talking about it. But it, the process is contested because some people say, oh, no, we don't want a referendum, it's not going to work or we will do this or we'll do that. The Greens are saying, well, we don't want a referendum first because we don't want to do voice first. We want to do other stuff first. So, so there's a there's a lot of um, parties who need to be brought to the table yeah. and do just what Thomas has been describing. And I was part of that process. So that's where I, my interest in this whole topic came up. When I was a member of Parliament, we had another one of these um, a joint select committee on constitutional recognition. And that we, we travel all around Australia and we, it was parliamentary. We had the House of Reps, we had the Senate, and we had all the parties try to come up with this, have this actually very detailed, very, very hard conversation about what we should do. And that committee decided that what Australia should do first was a referendum. And as soon as we put it out there, the, the government, the coalition said, well, we're not going to do that. And it was like, well, why did you do it in the first place if you weren't going to agree to the rules? But what the significant thing that it changed was Malcolm Turnbull had set up the committee. Scott Morrison became the Prime Minister. So Turnbull had commitment to getting a process. Morrison didn't. And unless you've got your leadership at the top saying, we're going to do this and follow it through, you have exactly that experience of people going, you know, spitting the dummy, I'm not going to play here, I'm going to be the most important person. So my observation is that it's going to be who is going to be the Australian leader to take us through this process 
and I haven't and and I haven't seen it during the election. I have seen almost no, as you say, discussion around this. This this what are we going to do? Because people want to do something, but what? And then I'll just finish off with this last comment. It's one of the interesting things I've noticed during the last two years that I've been um, actively involved in getting ready for this election has been Zooms. Like you know, I have been doing Zooms most night of the week, I have to say, for you know, a good couple of months or more than a couple of months. Every single Zoom I've been doing has begun with an acknowledgement of country. And uh, it would, in the past, that never would have happened. But now if it doesn't happen, someone on the Zoom goes, oh, just stop a sec, let's do acknowledgement of country. Where, where are we on? Who's, who, you know, whose land are we talking from? And it's become a way of being. So what gives me great hope in this, while we haven't got the leadership and we're not having um, that discussion about well, what, what is the process for Australia getting a voice, we, we, people are diving in and, and wanting to have their voice heard without a process but I think the the thing that gives me enormous hope is let's just say the 23 independents that I've been you know vaguely involved with and community independent project over the last six or eight months that the community have got it they've got their own process setting up they know what they want and so I suspect that when the next parliament comes in if we can just find the leadership among those politicians um and, and I think we will because many of the independents um, bring those skills exactly like Thomas was talking about. They've, they've, they've brought teams together. They've run incredibly complex negotiations. They've got the skill level. So I'm optimistic that given how strong this um, the sense is in the independent communities that we need to do this better, uh, it gives me great hope that maybe we'll find the leadership in the next parliament, and it might come from, um, very likely will come from the independence. So that's my sense of it. So, Thomas, have we got you back again, mate? Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, my apologies about that. Hope no, that's okay. okay. That's okay. Um, so, have there been, um, to Thomas, have there been um, groups trying to get Uluru Statement moving as an election, as an election issue? Yeah, yeah, we've been working hard on that, you know. Um, I note you say uh, that it hasn't been enough of an election uh, issue from what you've seen. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, compared to other issues that Australians think about, um, it uh, it no doubt is, is, you know, not seen uh, in comparison to to a whole lot of other matters. That's that's normal, I think. but for an Indigenous issue, you know, it, it has certainly been talked about throughout um, the election. Uh, Labor is committed to um, holding a referendum in the first, you know, in, in the next term of government, uh, should they win government, um, and, and are very committed to all of the proposals in the Uluru Statement. Um, the independents have been very strong. Um, uh, the Greens, you know, while they have that strange sequence, they say they support the Uluru Statement and there's been some, you know, uh, public debate about their, their sequencing issue. Um, although, you know, with that uh, pushback against that, we've seen Adam Bant uh, clarify that they won't oppose or they won't uh, try to block a voice uh, referendum bill should it be tabled uh, by a future Labor government 
um, before treaties are reached and all that. Um, so there's been, you know, there's been some activity. Um, I guess uh, just just to make a point, the the very fact that um, it is something that is not heard as much as other issues that affects that um, that also affect all Australians. Um, somewhat tells us why we need to enhance our voice in this democracy. You see, every time there's an election, um, uh, the things that um, affect Indigenous people that harm us are not front of mind when people go and cast their votes. And so there's no accountability um, through, you know, I mean, the greatest form of accountability in democracy is, is um, for those uh, members of parliament to be voted out if they don't represent our interests. So we need an enhanced voice, you know. Um, that's what it tells us. Uh, but, um, you know, <laughs> of course, I'm hoping for a change of government on the 21st of May. And, um, and uh, you know, five years of trying to educate and, and inspire people to support this campaign, um, it's going to, you know, if we get the right result and there's a, there's a leadership uh, capable of making this happen uh, in Parliament, um, we're going to see a whole lot of you know increased activity on this. It's going to be all hands on deck for a referendum campaign. Of course, you know, uh, and and I know government have this in mind a, a a period of time where you know it's it's not so much about a referendum campaign, but about education on on why this sort of change is important. Um, when we hit the referendum campaign, it's going to be, you know, our rainbows are going to be everywhere type of thing. Whatever it is that the genius is about, you know, this sort of uh, campaign come up with, um, it's going to be so much more well-resourced. You know, we'll see a whole lot of people that were sitting on the fence suddenly, you know, throw our colours on and away we go, you know. So, Cathy, you know a thing or two about campaigning. <laughs> Well, I'm 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 with Thomas. I I think if the all, the all the ducks it hasn't been allowed election issue, the incredible work that's gone on to get that policy alignment that that Thomas has just described, uh, and then the the thinking through um, of of all the leadership about getting that referendum in the first term of Parliament, um, people know what they're up against. So and and as I said. The nation's with us on this. We just haven't had the leadership on it. So I, I think, and I think, I think the good work is there. The foundation is incredibly solid. People want it, and they will they, they will come to it. Uh, and the, the 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 trust that I have in the Aboriginal leadership to to create process that's inclusive um, and in, and invite um, the rest of Australia into the process has been demonstrated. So. And and in doing that, it will set the foundation for the next bit of work that has to be done, because getting the voice is is important, but it's not all the work. We've got to we've got to keep doing the work. We've got to, you know, rebuild Australia on on that foundation. But I have incredible because of the work of the Uluru Statement, because of the work over the last five years that the um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have done with that statement, has 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 um, created the foundations. I think. That the rest of Australia now want most of us want to come on board, and and we will be led by that. So I I just think the way this has been handled has just been superbly sophisticated, um, and I'm and I'm really grateful to the kindness and the generosity of the Aboriginal leadership, 
to to not spit the dummy and run away and say, you people are just so useless. You know, they keep turning up to meetings. They keep explaining things. They like Thomas. They write books. They turn up at writers' festivals and they are infinitely patient with us. So that gives me great hope for the next stage of this um, just incredibly important process. And sure, it will be a campaign, but I think this next campaign will be different because the foundation work has been so solid. So, Thomas, you're obviously on your way, I guess, to an airport. Yeah, mate, I am. <laughs> so, look, I'll, I'll wrap up now. So, and but I'll, I'll, I'll give um, I'll give you the last. Is is there something uh, you just like to add or, or yeah, say? Yeah. Look, I'd just like to, uh, I'd like to thank Kathy, you know, for her solidarity, you know, and and those yeah. those words. Just, you know, it's it's really. Uh, special to me coming from you know a great community organizer to know that um, you know that you've listened and you understand what uh, First Nations people are saying here um, and it means a lot campaign wise as well because um, you know with you on our team uh, should we go mm -hmm. to a referendum um, then you know <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've got you know the whole area around you wrapped up and will be a very <laughs> yes vote. so thanks Kathy and thanks, Wayne, for the podcast and helping to spread this message. So just before you go, Thomas, so people listening to this, what can they do? Um, can you just give us a couple of um, things that people can pick up over the next period of time and some suggestions for action? Yes, yeah, so if this, um, I mean, if whatever the result in this election, um, the first thing people can do is not lose hope. Um if it is a, you know, if the coalition should win and they don't support, um, you know, a referendum to enshrine a voice, don't lose hope. Um, the campaign to the 1967 referendum to be counted as Australian citizens, um, that took, you know, that took decades. Um, though, um, and so when I say don't lose hope, what I'm saying is as far as action goes, continue to put pressure on politicians to say that the Uluru Statement is not going away. We support it um, and we want to change our constitution to include First Nations voices and just continue to do that. Um, that is a very important action and it's uh, something that has brought us to where we are today, where it is very much uh, on the national agenda. Um, the other thing that people can do is to share the words of the Uluru Statement um, we know from the polling throughout the campaign that as people learn about it, they're more likely to say that they will vote yes um, because it is uh, so generous, it is so moving. Uh, and, you know, I mean, really, when you hear it, how can you ignore what it's got to say? So just continue to share the Uluru Statement with friends and family. Um, think outside of your bubble as well and, and, and try and take initiatives that will... Um, spread the Uluru Statement and, and what we, we said on 26 May 2017, almost five years ago now. Um, those are, are very simple actions that you can take. You can sign up at www.fromtheheart.com.au um, as a supporter. And then as we have more um, specific actions to take, more targeted actions to take, um, we're able to communicate with you about what we want you to do like we've done during the co-design process in uh, last year and the um, joint select committee that was in 2018. Um, you know, we mobilise our supporters at certain times to make sure that we're heard. So please sign up on the website as well. 
Thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Thomas. Thank you for listening, and hope you enjoyed this Nightmare Smartcast. Until next time, goodbye.